Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, FCC. We are so excited to have you here or online, wherever you're worshiping from. We are so excited that you chose to spend your Sunday morning with us. Real quick, can we just give a round of applause to the worship team? They do, they do such a great job, and I, I love hearing them every week. There is a reason that Ken and I were asked to talk and not to sing, and that's because we don't have that gifting, and they do. So we're, we're, I'm, I'm very appreciative of them. Uh, but I'm also very excited to wrap up this series, Disruptive Jesus. Um, I got to start it, and I get to wrap it up. But every time I speak, especially in front of adults, I'm terrified. I, I am so nervous to speak in front of a group of, of people, but... Uh, Especially just because you're always asking yourself, you know, is this, is this message in line with what God's wanting to say? And it was really cool to hear Ken's offering message just because my message is also about faith and trust. And it's cool to see God line things up. Uh, if you have your brick and mortar Bible, uh, you can flip it open to Luke chapter 7. That's where I'm going to be. That's one of the two places I'm going to be camping out today. And if you don't, I want to encourage you to bring it uh, because I believe that uh, physically opening your Bible is something that uh, we can get in the habit of doing every single day. And church isn't just supposed to be a one-day thing. It's supposed to be an everyday thing. Uh, so if you do have your Bibles, go ahead and flip open to Luke chapter 7, uh, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read a few, few verses here. It says, After Jesus had finished all his sayings in the hearing of all the people. So right, what, they, what he's talking about is uh, Jesus finished preaching the Sermon on the Mount. So after Jesus finished the Sermon on the Mount, he entered Capernaum. Capernaum was his ministry headquarters. Uh, that's where a lot of markets came in, fishing and different things like that. So when Jesus would preach, people would hear it, and the markets, the people who came to supply food and things like that, would take those messages out to the people. Uh, so he, he entered back into Capernaum, his ministry headquarters, and it says, Now a centurion had a servant who was sick at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come to heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did, I did not presume to come to you, but just say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. Turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Uh, so I just want to debrief those verses. There's a lot of verses there. Um, it starts off with the story of this centurion. So what a centurion is, is uh, he's this Roman, he's one of the Roman kind of leaders. Uh, he has a hundred servants under him, centuri, centurion, centurion, hundred. Um, so he's a Roman leader who 
Basically, his job is to hold a territory so it doesn't get captured by somebody else. So the Romans were holding this territory. Um, and typically, centurions were not really respectful of their servants. Um, but however, this one was very different. He uh, cared about his people. Um, he, m- most of his servants were Jewish people. Um, Jewish people and Romans didn't really typically get along, but he got along with his people. Um, he built them a synagogue. He built a church for them. Um, and one of the Jewish servants, it was a little boy, was paralyzed. And he valued that kid so much that he had heard about Jesus. And so he chose, he chose to send some of his servants to plea to Jesus to ask him to heal this boy. Um, so they go and they say, hey, uh, will you please come and heal this, heal this kid? You know, this, this centurion, he's a good centurion. You know, he, he takes care of us and this kid needs your help. And so Jesus says, absolutely, I'll come. And so he's on his way, and the centurion hears that Jesus is actually coming to his house. And the centurion sends more messengers, and he says, Look, I, didn't, I wasn't expecting you to, to come to my house, but just say the word, and I believe that you can heal this servant. Just say the word, and I believe you can do it. And then the Bible says that Jesus marveled at this man's faith. And so the word marvel in Greek, is, is pronounced thafmazo. Everybody say thafmazo. Thafmazo. Nobody thought they'd be speaking Greek in church today. But it means to be amazed at, to marvel at, to be in awe of something, to wonder at. So Jesus saw this man's faith, and he was marveling. He was amazed at this man's faith, which is really interesting because he is an all-knowing, he's omniscient, he's all-powerful, he knows everything. Yet, this man's faith caused Jesus to marvel. And the word thafmazel, the word to marvel at, in Jesus' in Jesus's life is only used in one other passage of Scripture. And I want to turn and look at that as well because it is also related to faith. And that's found in Mark chapter 6. So if you want to flip to Mark chapter 6, that's where we'll, that's where we'll land. Starting in verse 1. It says, Jesus went away from the area and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. He was preaching in church. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? See, everywhere Jesus went, they were amazed by the things he did. But it goes on, and it says, Remember, this is the people in Jesus' hometown. It says, Is this not the carpenter, the son of Judas and Simon, or the the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said back to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And then it says, He could do no mighty works there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among other villages teaching. And so I want to just talk about five things uh, that have to do with living faith uh, and living trust. And the first one is that familiarity can be a very dangerous thing. Does anybody watch Grey's Anatomy? I'm a big Grey's Anatomy fan. We've got one. Okay, cool. Um, (laughs) Well, I'm going to 
shoot out a couple spoilers. So if you're if you're uh, if you're one of those people who doesn't like it, you can cover your ears for this part. But uh, I I stopped watching when Derek died. I feel like. Uh, the True Grace fans mostly stopped watching when Derek died. But in the show, Derek Shepard has a wife named Addison Shepard. Addison is a pediatric surgeon, and she also she delivers babies. And there's I remember one specific episode where she's got a really heavy workload day. She's got multiple babies that she has to deliver. And so you know, she goes into the first room, and she... Uh, you see, you see this process, like the husband and wife are holding hands, and and she's she's giving birth, and she the girl, the parents have their baby, and you know they're they're just in awe. They're saying, "Oh my gosh, this! Thank you, God! Like this is a miracle. Yeah, you are so good." And then if you look at the exact same story from Addison Shepherd's lens, you see her deliver a baby, hand it to the parents. And move on with her day. And that's because she has seen that so many times that she just became accustomed to it and got used to it. And that's the complete opposite thing of what Jesus is saying is Jesus is always doing something big in our lives. And I think too often we as Christians get too comfortable with Jesus. See, the, the person who the person who Jesus marveled at is a Roman. The Romans killed Jesus. This person didn't have great access to Jesus, but his faith is the one that Jesus marveled at. And the people at his house, they were the ones that maybe some of you can relate, were the ones at their table praying, Heavenly Father, thank you for this meal. Thank you for this family. Good God, good meat, good food, let's eat. And they moved on with their day. I think a lot of us probably have grown accustomed to Jesus, and we've become too familiar with Jesus, and we're not giving him room to do a miracle. It says when they became too familiar with Jesus, he couldn't do any more good works. Familiarity can be a dangerous thing. That's number one. Number two, we are trying to look amazing instead of being amazing to God. And I think that we do this in one of two ways. The number one way we do this is we try and impress the world. I believe that that's generally the, back, the backbone of people. If you don't believe me, go tell a, an interesting story to one of your friends about how you broke your toe or something. And then listen to see if they respond with an even better story. I think that is a very common thing that, that this world does, is, is we have to impress people. We have to have a better story than somebody else. I was doing that with this kid the other day. We were sharing NBA stories back and forth. Oh, I went to this game. I went to this game. But uh, it's very common in our life is to try and impress others. Uh, the other way, I mean, another example is social media. You know, you don't really see any pictures of uh, somebody posting a picture of their husband. Wow, another husband watching football on the couch eating Cheetos. But you see everyone else has a husband who's putting together the garden for him and doing all this, but my husband's not. Like, what the heck? I think a lot of people try to impress people. The other thing we do is we try to mask our, mask our insecurities, mask our failures. And so, you know, I believe that there's a lot of us who are in this room struggling with something, whether it's a marital issue, a pornography issue, an alcohol issue, a financial issue, whatever it is, a, med- uh, a, di- a medical diagnosis that we got. But whenever somebody comes and asks us, hey, how are you doing? We just say, hey, I'm, do- I'm doing good. How are you doing? And we try and mask our insecurities. 
I think we're trying to look too impressive to people when if we just chose to be private with Jesus, that's going to make him turn around and marvel. If we just spent time privately in prayer with God and privately reading our Bible, God would marvel at that. That would be something that would make God turn his head. And he's like, I'm going to use that person. That person is, that person has a heart for me and I want to use that person. We need to continue to cultivate a private life with Jesus through our time in prayer and our time in the Bible. There's a song by the Newsboys. If you don't know the Newsboys, they're a worship band and they have a song called That's How You Change the World. And the, the, the chorus, it goes, it's the prayer in an empty room when nobody's around. That's how you change the world. That's one of the lyrics of that song. We don't change the world by us having it all together. But if we realize that we're not awesome, but we serve a God who is awesome and can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine, when we understand that, that's when God wants to show up. We need to stop impressing people and start amazing God. Number three, our faith is predicated on trust. Ken already talked a little bit about it, the verse in Proverbs that says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. A lot of us have five-year plans, one-year plans, goals that we want to see come to fruition. Uh, but God has something different, and he probably has something better for you. I want to share another uh, comical, embarrassing story for myself. It was my seventh grade year. Uh, I was... Uh, heading to Michigan with my Campus Life Youth for Christ group, uh, and we were going to go skiing on a ski trip. And that was actually the trip where I, I became a Christian. I made the decision to follow Jesus. But prior to that night, uh, we, uh, we were skiing. You could choose to ski or snowboard. And I had no interest, really, in snow. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a warm weather guy. I'm a shorts all year round guy. I believe there's warmth. But... Uh, when I got there, they said, hey, would you like to ski or snowboard? And again, I've never done either of them. They, they said, well, typically you'll choose to ski because a beginner skiing, you can pick, that, pick up on that easier. And I was like, bet, I'm going to snowboard. I'm going to prove you wrong. So I, I'm like, okay, I want to test this out on the bunny hill. So I get my snowboard, get all situated, get on the bunny hill, and I fall on my butt every single time. Like, I, I cannot do it. Okay, and about two hours in of me continuing to fall on the bunny hill, one of my friends named Clay Barr, he's this daredevil who'll do anything, comes up to me and he's like, hey, Taylor, you're kind of embarrassing yourself. Like, let's just try and do like the first real level, like the first level. And I was even terrified to get on the ski lift. So I get on the ski lift, I get to the first level, and he tells me, he's like, hey, I'm going to ride up to the Black Diamond and... When I get down to you, I want you to follow behind me. Like, just do it. Just don't, don't think, just do it. And I said, okay, sounds good. I'll, I'll do it. And so he gets to the top of this black diamond, and I, I see him unintentionally rolling down the hill. And he gets to the point where he's unconscious. Like, uh, he, he's, he's passed out in the snow, and I'm thinking, I've got to get down. I've got to help. I've got to call 911 or something. I've got I to get him help. So I'm... I'm on the ski slope. I'm like, Taylor, you can do this. You can do this. You can do this. And there's no, like, fences on the, uh, on the side. So if I fall, like, I'm going to be seriously injured too. 
So I go to like the dead center of this thing. So if I slide one way or slide another way, I'll be okay. And I start going. I get like five yards and I freak out because I feel like I'm going too fast. So I fall on my butt and I'm like, okay, okay, get back up, get back up. So I go again, start going too fast. I fall down back on my butt. And the second time I did that, a five-year-old girl just goes right down the hill Snow, snowboarding too. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? So I pick up my snowboard, I run down and I'm like, hey, we need to get this guy help. We need to, we need to help him out. And so finally they called 911, get the ambulance there. He had torn his ACL, MCL, meniscus, everything you can think of. And the point of that story is, I believe spiritually, if you truly are placing your faith in Christ and you're living for him, Spiritually, you're going to end up in the back of an ambulance. I've experienced betrayal. I've experienced times where I was praying for something and it didn't happen. See, Jesus doesn't say, once you're a Christian, your prayers are going to be answered every single time. But Jesus says, actually David says, even in the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not afraid because you're with me. See, I would rather go through heartbreak and pain and frustration with God rather than against God because I know he has the power to heal my heart. I know he has the power to make things whole. When trials come, Jesus is with you. Number four is that the enemy wants us to play it safe. The enemy doesn't want us to have faith. Because the enemy knows if we step out in faith, God's going to do something. Just like, just like the centurion did when he, when he said to Jesus, just say the word and my servant will be healed. God showed up. God marveled his faith and it says that the boy was healed. If we, if we, if we play it safe, it says, that, it says that Jesus has no room to do miracles in our life. And I just want to give you a couple examples of how the world says we need to play it safe. If you know the, the rest of this sentence, please say it out loud. We can't have our cake. If it's too good to be true. If it can go wrong. Everything that goes up. Keep both feet. Don't count your chickens. See, the world says, stay safe. Keep your feet on the ground. Play it cool. Don't do anything risky. That's what the world tells us. The Bible tells us that our life is a vapor and the decisions that we make matter. Every decision we make matters. See, I would rather get to heaven and Jesus tell me, worst case scenario, Taylor, you really could have chilled out a little bit. Like you did too much. Like I would rather Jesus do that than me get to heaven and say, Taylor, what did you do with your time that I gave you? What did you do? Our life, is, our life is short, and the, things, the decisions we make matter. Some of us, we're too afraid to make bold decisions. Sometimes we're too afraid to step out. But I don't, I don't, I'm not a preacher. I don't, have a, I don't have a seminary degree, but I'm struggling with my own struggles. I think some of us need a butt-ectomy. I think some of us need a butt-ectomy. The Bible says that when the burning bush was speaking to Moses... The bush told him, he said, you're going to free the Israelite people from Egypt. You are, Moses. 
And Moses' response was, but I don't speak good enough. I can't communicate with, I can't communicate with leaders, but I'm not good enough. See, I think what we, what we're really doing, if we looked at those buts, if we looked at those spiritual buts, we asked ourselves, what are we doing? What we're doing is we're saying that my insecurities are bigger than your power, Jesus. That's what we're really saying when we say, but God. I think we need to trust that God's ways and God's power is bigger than our insecurities and our struggles and our doubts. It's not about what we can't do. It's about what he can. And the last, the last point I want to make is faith might, stepping out in faith might make you look foolish. I want to make, I just want to give you a couple examples of times where that happened. Imagine how foolish Noah looked when he was building an ark. What are you doing, Noah? I don't know. God gave me some dimensions for something and I'm putting it together. Why? Rain's coming. Well, what's rain? His people had never seen rain before. He said, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm just doing what God told me to. Some of you guys, God's given you something to do. He's told you to do something. You don't understand why, but he's got a purpose behind it. Imagine how foolish Moses looked when he's standing next to the Red Sea and the Egyptians are coming at him and he's only got a stick. He says, you know what? I've only got a stick, but I know God told me he's going to provide. I've only got a stick. Imagine how foolish Sarah looked at the maternity section at Walmart. She was 100. You're not having kids, Sarah. Imagine how foolish the Israelites looked marching around the walls of Jericho. Does anybody have any slingshots or weapons or anything? No. We're just marching. We're just praying. That's what God told us to do. We're just going to pray. I hope you know, before this service started, I walked around every chair and both cameras and just prayed because I believe God wants to do something in each one of our lives. Imagine how foolish tiny David with no armor looked with just a slingshot and three stones standing against a giant. Imagine how foolish Mary looked, a pregnant virgin. Parents, you can tell your kids that only has happened once and only will happen once, okay? Imagine how foolish Peter looked, stepping out of a boat onto water. Imagine how foolish the woman with the issue of blood looked. She'd struggled for years. And she said, I just have to touch the hem of his garment. Imagine how foolish Paul and Silas looked. They were chained up in prison and they're just singing praise songs. Imagine how foolish the little boy with five loaves of bread and two fish looked. And imagine how foolish Jesus looked, hanging on a cross, the most embarrassing way to die. And the Romans were looking at the Jewish people and they said, this is your king? This is your king? Imagine how foolish that, that must have been, stepping out in faith. But if you're willing to step out in faith, like I said, a marvelous God is going to do marvelous things. And I just want to share with you the results of the people who took out steps of faith.
Noah and his family were saved from the flood. Moses saw the Red Sea split in half. Sarah gave birth to Isaac. The Israelites saw the walls of Jericho fall down. David defeated Goliath. Mary gave birth to Jesus. Peter walked on water. The woman with the issue of blood was healed. Paul and Silas were freed from prison. The little boy's lunch fed 5,000 people. Jesus got off the cross. He defeated hell and he defeated death. And my Bible says the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that lives in you. With faith, there's nothing God can't do. Let's share one more story from scripture. It's this mountaintop and mountain bottom experience. And I believe the Bible is using that uh, allegorically. Jesus is at the top of this mountain. And it says that he experienced transfiguration. His face lit up. And it was this amazing encounter. And then he has this mountain bottom experience. He climbs down the mountain and immediately he's encountered with a problem. The 12 disciples I've been trying to cast out this demon for days and they can't. And Jesus walks up and he just casts it out. And later on they come up to him and they say, how did you do that? How did you do that? And he says, if you just have faith the size of a mustard seed, you could move this mountain right here. If you had faith just a little bit, you could move this mountain. See, I said earlier, I think a lot of us are battling an insecurity, a medical report, an addiction, a struggle. And that's our mountain. I want us to just do, do me one favor real quick. Close your eyes. With your eyes closed, I want you to look at that mountain that's in your life. What is that thing that without God, there's no fixing it? So that's exactly what the disciples were doing. They were looking at the mountain. We can't, we can't fix this. So the problem isn't that we can't fix the situation. It's that we're looking at the mountain when we should have our eyes fixed on Jesus. So Jesus describes himself as a lamp to our feet, a light for our path. A lot of us, we, we see the end goal and we can get freaked out. God wants me to do what? There's no way. But a lamp isn't supposed to show you the end of the road. It's supposed to show you one step. I want to encourage you. We, have a, we all have a mountain. I've got one. Without Jesus' intervention, there's no way I'm fixing it. And I hope one day I can stand in front of you guys and share with you what it is because I want to celebrate with you the freedom that Jesus gave me from it. And so real quick, we're going to sing and celebrate Jesus. Would you guys please stand real quick? I'm going to close this out in prayer. We're going to sing and celebrate not our mountain potentially being moved. We're just going to fix our eyes on Jesus and we're going to trust that he's going to do something with, with it. We're just going to step out in faith and trust that, God, I don't have to look at my mountain. I can just focus on you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for, for who you are what you've already done for us.
what you're going to continue to do in our lives. God, I, I thank you, God, for this word, God, that if we just have a little bit of faith, God, if we just cultivate a personal relationship with you, we just spend a little bit of time with you each day in prayer and we, we, we focus on reading our Bibles and we grow with you just a little bit, God, that you're going to marvel. God, there's nothing that we can do. We, you've given us talents, but God, that's not, that's not what you're calling us to do. You're calling us to just be in relationship with you and recognize that you're awesome, not us. God, we've all got a mountain in front of us, something that, something that we can't move on our own. God, but Jesus, you said, with man it's impossible, but with God anything is possible. And God, I just pray that whatever our mountain is, God, just with a little bit of faith, we step out today and you, you heal us like we could never imagine. And God, you take us to places we could never imagine going. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.